You're listening to Below the Radar, a knowledge mobilization project recorded out of 312 Maine. This podcast is produced by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement. Below the Radar brings forward ideas to encourage meaningful exchanges across communities. Each episode, we interview guests on topics ranging from environmental and social justice, arts, culture, community building, and urban issues. This podcast is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Hello, I'm Maria Cecilia Saba, and you're listening to Below the Radar. Our guest today is Baljit Sangra, the Vancouver-based filmmaker behind the powerful documentary Because We're Girls. The film follows three Indo-Canadian sisters from Williams Lake, BC, who experienced sexual abuse by an older relative in their childhood years. Through an empathetic lens, Baljit shows the sisters' laughs and struggles as they seek to break the cycle of abuse and redress the wrongs within their family. In this interview, we discuss the creative process that guided Baljit's approach to a complex story in a way that highlights her heroine's humanity and the power of true sisterhood. Welcome to Below the Radar. My name is Am Johal. Really delighted to be joined by Baljit Sangra and my colleague Maria Cecilia uh, Saba. Uh, welcome, Baljit. Thank you. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the incredible success uh, thus far of Because We Are Girls, your new documentary. It's uh, certainly generated a lot of important and necessary conversations. And I'm just wondering if you can begin by talking about how you got started in, in documentary filmmaking prior to doing uh, Because We Are Girls. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, um, I studied film at UBC. After that, like, you know, you come out of film school and you think you're going to be a director. Well, it doesn't happen. <laughs> you're a production assistant. So I kind of did a little bit of that for some years and then um, um, took a break and just worked in nonprofit. Long so- well, how I got back into it, I started, I worked in London for a few months and then um, there was a lot of really cool um, multicultural uh, programming, but it wasn't sort of branded as multicultural. It just was because that's what London is like. And I'm like, why don't we have any of that in Vancouver? You know, we're always just kind of pointing it like, oh, look, look how multicultural it is. And there it's not. Um, it's just more a reflection of who lives there. So I started an arts and entertainment show in Vancouver on City TV called Viva. So it was really modeled after what I was seeing. And we did really good. We had a broadcast license for uh, a couple of years. And then I was sending my reruns to Channel M, which is now Omni. And then they're like, come over here, we'll give you an hour show, more money, more whatever. And we're like, oh, wow, this is really catching on. Because there, we there was sort of a vacuum missing. Um, anyways, from there, I, um, I, had, I, I wasn't really like, I'm going to be a documentary filmmaker. Um, but I was, there was an issue that was happening in the news a lot about uh, youth and involvement in gangs in the South Asian community. And I remember Kim Boland did a whole series. And it was pretty hard hitting, like every day seeing this in the front lines. And, you know, and they did one, I remember seeing just all these mug shots. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? Like, and it was really sensational too. So, um, yeah, that's how it started documentary filmmaking. Um, I wanted to explore this subject, um, got some funding. Um, it was a co-production with National Film Board, and it aired on Global and Knowledge Network. And I followed two kids in a high school in Surrey. 
So I got the permission of the school. Um, I, it was a totally different, it's not a sensational take on the issue at all. It has a lot of heart. Because you just see what the kids are going through, you know, sense of alienation, racism, uh, neglect. You know, one kid was just looking for love somewhere. And um, he found that with the wrong people. You know, his parents were too busy. His parents had separated. His father was working like night shifts. And there were some problems there with the family. But um, so some of those issues were highlighted by just following them and, and their stories. And also the, just the level of violence. Like I would see him and then he'd have bruises. I'm like, what happened? He's like, I was walking home and I got jumped because of something related to something. And it's just like, oh my God. Because you have cell phones, right? You could just go, oh, I saw so-and-so. And then people come. I was just like, oh my God, you're like 14. So worried about him. Anyways, that got me into documentary filmmaking. And that film did really good. It was called Warrior Boys. And they still use it in schools. The police were using it, um, forums. And um, I, yeah, I still get royalty from the NFP for that. <laughs> <laughs> so it did, I think it touched a nerve because like I'm from the community and I kind of shot it through that lens, like with more compassion. Because they're just 13, 14, 15 year olds, right? And then things just escalate so fast because of social media. And, you know, when you're in that, you know, it could just be just hanging out with uh, gangsters. They ask you to do something and then so, it just could go so fast. And it's also that much harder to get out of it. So, and it's a, there's a bit of a hopeful um, angle in that film too, which is really good. And from there, I did some more documentaries. I did one on end of life at um, PICS. It's a assisted living facility in Surrey and it caters mostly to South Asians. So I kind of went in there hoping to do like my... Uh, <laughs> working title was Golden Girls. Like I was hoping it would be really fun. Like Golden <laughs> Girls, it'd be like I'd find four cool Indian ladies who meet, you know, come from all different backgrounds, like socioeconomic class, maybe different, you know, parts of the Indian diaspora, but they become friends at this place. And it would be fun. And that'd be a w really cool way to tell different histories because they're in one place, right? Well, it didn't really work out like that. <laughs> they the, There wasn't a lot of action happening there. Like people were pretty like... Um, not so mobile. Um, you know, I did capture some of, you know, they celebrated all like holidays and religious things. And there was like a real bond amongst the residents there. So that I was able to capture that. And a resident died while I was filming. And, and it was just really cool to see, you know, how they address each other, like brother, sister, and the women that work there, like the residents would call them like, you know, son and daughter. So that created a really cool vibe, like a family vibe. So the residents don't feel so isolated because it's really hard. It's It was a bit of a taboo subject too to have your seniors being put in care, right? right. So, so they create this environment and when people come and see it, they're like, wow, you know, there's like a waiting list now. When it started, you, they couldn't even get enough people to get it going because of the stigma. Anyways, long story short, when I was making this film, my own mother dies in a, a car accident. Yeah, she got hit by a car. She was walking the dog. And so I couldn't finish this film because every time I looked at the footage, I was just so depressed. Course, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather do anything on the planet than like edit this movie. So somebody said, well, why don't you put your story in the film? Like, I'm doing this film. This happened to me. Mm -hmm. And then I'm actually a threat in the film. And then I was able to put, you know, my mother in the film. It's just like one thread, but... That was how I was able to make the movie. And I wow. think that's what made it more impactful. Yeah, for sure. And and I, I bet that also helped you with the process. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, too, as a filmmaker, like, sometimes you got to risk something. Like, you can't be so distant. Mm -hmm. Like, that was really hard for me because, you know, you have that sort of distance a bit. Sometimes when you're 
you know, doing an observational doc or filming something. But yeah. sometimes when you really like put so much of yourself in something, it, it does make a difference. Not necessarily your own story, but it could be your heart or how you see things. Like in, yeah, and I, well, then I did another film on hockey, but that was just all really happy, good, you know, about immigrants and, how, and hockey. And I found mm -hmm. these two kids who are really like, have their eye on the NHL. And they're really good. One was like on the Giants, and then he went to another team, and now he's in the American League. And he's from a working class background, and his parents, you know, first, like, um, they're immigrant family, first generation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's goes to these uh, camps, gets invited to NHL camps, like, where they look at upcoming talent. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty incredible. And then the other um, uh, boy, kid, well, not boy, I was a young man, but when I did it, he was, like, just in graduating high school yeah. he's playing junior hockey in Sweden <laughs> Wow! so that's pretty cool so it's a celebratory <laughs> film and yeah and just like all the sacrifices to make it you know and how your family um, you know supports you and I was really just surprised how much uh, Indian kids are doing so well in hockey on that one I went to like the Surrey um, rink okay. it's like 80% Indian kids and they're really good. Wow. So it's not like, can I find two characters? It's like, oh my God, there's too many people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to pick <laughs> two. Sure. So, and then, and now we're here with Because We're Girls. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, how did you meet the the, the Puni sisters? How? Well, Jiti is a friend of mine. Uh, we go back quite a while. Um, I met her when I had that TV show I mentioned, Viva. And she was um, designing clothes. Uh, she had like a... A store in Surrey, which she was um, actually designing, like like dresses for people, like whatever they wanted, she would she would make it. Mm -hmm. And so I, she was in Vancouver Fashion Week, and I did a story on her, and we just stayed in touch. And then I had her on the show again. She was doing, you know, something else, and we just it was like a I don't know one of those people that you just know you're going to stay friends with. And I, maybe because I was doing something a little bit outside of the box, and so was she. Mm -hmm. So it was just a natural friendship. Um, and then we would just get together for lunches and stay in touch. And through that connection, um, oh, after I Warrior Boys, she came to that. And um, we met for lunch, and she uh, said, well, have you ever considered doing a film on sexual abuse in the South Asian community? I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. No, I haven't really considered that, uh, but... You know, what would my, how would that, the access be? Like, how would I tell that story? Yeah. And then we started having this conversation and she told me that she, she and her sisters were victims of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I just watched the film for the first time a couple of weeks ago and it's a really kind of jarring, emotional, beautiful film. And I think the added dimension for me as someone who grew up in Williams Lake in the South Asian community and knowing the Puni family as well, the the younger brother, uh, Jesse, him and I worked at McDonald's together and played golf. Uh, Jithu uh, graduated from high school at the same time as my brother and my cousin's done um, uh, some work as well with, with Jithu. And so not knowing the background uh, to the, the, the film, I, I, you know, had I not known the people in the film, it would have also been a kind of jarring emotional experience, but that added kind of dimension to it. And, and as a filmmaker, there's such a, um, uh, you know, I think you have a really soft touch in uh, aesthetically pulling these things together. And I'm wondering how you kind of thought about how to tell the story because it is so uh, complex and intense and how to put that into a documentary form that speaks to the broader public. Um, because I relate so much to the sisters, we come from the same, you know, cultural background and we've been friends. And so just that having that trust straight up, 
right from the beginning almost. And that creates a real vulnerability. Like they'll disclose and share a lot. So I had a lot of access. So it really weighed on me. You know, I have a lot of trust. And also um, the film took like three years or more. Um, so I had visited the family, told them what my intention was with this film to kind of start this conversation that just happens in so many families. You know, we're not singling out this family but we also need to know sort of like the backstory and context and all of that's really important. And, you know, the parents were on board with that. I mean, I just feel like I put so much of myself in the film. Like if I was to do a film, say for my own family or my own sisters, it would be like this film, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, I didn't want to stereotype at all. Um, I thought it needed to be slow and it had to be hopeful and there had to be moments where you would laugh and you could feel the connection of the family. Um, and that sort of leads up to like the climax, which is quite dramatic. Um, and the court thread always added some tension along the whole film. Like we could have done the film without that court thread, but that kind of gave it gave it some momentum because yeah. even if say your parents didn't want to be involved or whatever, because of the court thread, they, the police had to, when they started the investigation, they did speak to the parents and the father was called as a witness um, you know, as a crown witness. Yeah. So they had no choice in, in that way to be involved. It's not like they could be like, okay, you girls are doing your that thing. We have nothing to do with it. You can't be like that. This is a criminal case, right? right. The, you're witnesses of the crown. So in a way, their family had to be involved. So, What yeah. were some of the, the struggles that came up in the process of shooting the film? Because, of course, there's like these externalities that are functioning on the telling of the story. But what were some of uh, the challenges that you faced as a filmmaker trying to pull these threads together? Um, well, I think, well, when we started, uh, NFB has their own kind of structure. It's a full-on NFB production. So, you know, they do like an investigate and then a development shoot. And that's when I got involved in the development part. Mm -hmm. And then um, the next year, uh, after development, we shot like a little taster and did some filming. And the head office, oh, they all thought, okay, this is a good film to you know consider for production. But the funding didn't come happen the next year. So I fo kept following the story on my own. It's like, I can't say to my friends, well, there's no money. See you when we get money. Yeah. <laughs> this life keeps moving forward, right? So I think... In the end, it, it paid off because it gave me that access. So I went myself with them to Williams Lake just by myself, you know, in the small plane when they were doing their testimonies and staying in the same hotel with them and having all of that. I think that really enhanced the movie later, but that was a challenge too, you know, because this was happening, but we couldn't, the funding didn't come through that year. And also... Um, I captured a lot when they were ready to go to trial and there were so many delays and adjournments. The um, defendant, because that's the last thing he wanted, right? Like the police that did their testimonies and all the other witnesses, but the most damaging would be from the victims, right? So that's what he didn't want. He kept delaying that. So he, it was like, um, you know, we're trying to shoot or I'm going over there to kind of, you know, film some of that, of them maybe getting ready or how they're feeling. And then they would, you know, reread their um, statements only to be told that it's been adjourned because he's sick or he's gone to the hospital, he's fired his lawyer, he's got a new lawyer, he can't afford his lawyer. A whole year went by with adjournments, like where they were waiting to testify and it didn't happen. 
So I kind of, you know, followed some of that and their emotions were really running high and being a friend and a filmmaker, I think also like just by myself um, getting some of their feedback, it was almost like therapy in a way too. I didn't put a lot of that in the film, but I think they needed like an outlet. They were just feeling so frustrated. Yeah. And they wanted to be, they want accountability and be heard. And they were just feeling silenced by the justice system. So me being there just by myself in that one year recording it, I think, yeah, it was, um, I don't know, useful in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about that as well, because um, the film, it, for me, it felt like it had a lot of moments that were both kind of uh, very heartwarming and very heartbreaking at the same time. So uh, I wanted to ask you, like, how did it feel for you to be kind of witnessing those moments with them so close? And, in, you know, there's, a, there's that climax in the end that you have to be, it's, it seems like a very, very intimate family moment and, and, and we, know, we are there with you, right? So mm -hmm. how, how did it felt? How um, did you make the choice to be so close as well? Oh, so yeah, there's a scene in the film near the end where um, the starts out as a tea family tea happening yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and um it start the conversation sort of starts out with um one of the sisters saying that they didn't feel supported by the parents because they kept going to williams lake back and forth and then it, it sort of escalates the conversation yeah and i was able to be sort of a fly on the wall in that scene it just sort of happened organically i was just really lucky it was just a cameraman one cameraman and me you know and sound and We just were rolling. We didn't stop. And it just happened. And I think when it got really emotional, I was like literally crying behind the camera. <laughs> and it was hard because you want to almost like stop and just like hug them. Right. But you we were just it, I had to keep rolling and just see what happens. Because that really, really showed the impact, you know, um, on them. They were able to confront their parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a very powerful scene. Yeah, film. yeah, but it's a it's a powerful th film throughout. Like a lot of mm -hmm. those moments w with the three of them together are very. Well, they're really lighthearted too. Yeah. Like yeah, this yeah, is yeah. with oh, like yeah. going for court and then rereading your statements would take them back to you know their childhood trauma, which was really hard. But um, but there was other moments I was able to be there with them, like um, where they're they're really fun. Like you saw that you know. Um, They're really quick to sing and dance. <laughs> um, I drove up once with to them, uh, with them, sorry, to Williams Lake, and like they, they sang like Bollywood songs like the whole way there. And they're like, "No, my turn, no, my turn." And I'm like, "Can we just be quiet for a second? I can just film for a minute, you know?" It was, it was cute. So they have a lot of that, and you know, they they would share a hotel room, and you know, just to de-stress, share funny stories, or support each other, or get each other ready. Like if it was one person's turn, the other two would just spend all their, you know, make sure that that person doesn't think about anything and just get to court. They'll take care of everything. So they had this real camaraderie. Um, so. Those type of emotions, I thought was really important to put in the film because it's true. It's that that's how you it's, know Kira says it so eloquently. Like, you know, um, some of their childhood was really traumatic, but they always had each other, and that's what got them through. So I thought that was a really important through line to put in the film as well. Yeah, and I think you know, in some some ways, there's the the specificity inside of 
um, the conversations between the family, and I think they're they're so hard hitting because they could be inside uh, any family, mm-hmm. and particularly inside of an immig- immigrant family, mm-hmm. a Punjabi uh, community. But there's this sort of, of course, a through line of uh, being inside of this patriarchal culture, and the challenges between second generation others, these kinds of. Uh, um, uh, the way these things get transmitted and how we negotiate them now, and I thought it was really beautifully captured in the in in the film. And I'm wondering how you approach that kind of complex, um, intimate uh, side of these things, where it's sort of the personal, familial happening, and you're there with the camera, and you're at some point making editing decisions of what's in the film and what's not, and how you kind of approach that uh, working with um, uh, working with uh, uh, the subjects of the film. Well, I think um, the essence really of filmmaking or documentary filmmaking is like a search for truth, right? So you're just trying to get to the real heart of the matter, right? So that's really what was any kind of motivation. We started the whole process very slow, like, you know, just hanging with the family, a day trip, um, you know, the father just sharing his whole immigrant story coming to Canada, like, and how he found jobs and he had, you know, some funny stories where it was like snow and he got this job and he had like dress shoes on and it was freezing cold in Williams Lake and he was sliding. I think he was working at like a gas station or something. It was just those type of stories and driving across Canada to get work. Like I started way back with, you know, their own personal histories, even the mom's whole story. I was able to incorporate all of it, but we did get some of it. And, you know, and their relationship, I thought it was really important to, to show, you know, the mom and dad, you know, the mom says that, you know, she had a good life and, and, and they have a good relationship, you know, they love each other. So I thought that was really important. Um, so just having some time to build that kind of uh, natural relationship like you would with any, like a friendship. And, you know, me and Jeethi do go back and I have spent time with Kira. So I think it was just a lot of trust uh, that allowed for that vulnerability that gave me the access. And it was sort of slow and simmering. Like I think, you know, and sometimes, you know, you have films where they just have like a real short thing and they're like okay let's get to the meat of it right it's all about the trial or let's confront the parents or da 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 this, it wasn't like that kind of film at all you know I think context was super important yeah for everything like living in that small town their schooling childhood Bollywood like just layers I thought all of it was it was important to telling the story I wanted to ask you about uh, Bollywood actually as well um, because in the film you intertwine a little bit of you know, of um, scenes from Bollywood films and uh, I wanted to know like um, what led you to this creative decision of of, of showing as well uh, the representation of women in, in Bollywood films that the, that the sisters would watch as kids, right? Yeah, well, so when I asked them all, um, you know, early on in the filming process, uh, you know, what was your favorite childhood memory? Yeah. And I, you know, it was all separate, right? Even to the parents uh, or your first, you know, your memory at Williams Lake, favorite memory for the parents. It was like the cinema for all of them, hands down. So, you know, it was sort of um, the only time they were able to really, you know, spend as a family. The father was working really hard. He was at the mill. The mom was working in the kitchen at a hotel. You know, the girls were going through their own stuff at school. Um, so the family would all gather and go to the cinema on the weekend to see a Bollywood movie, which offered so much like fantasy, dance, um, all of that for the kids. And they would reenact that at home. You know, and the father had a real fondness for the movies and music. He sings a bit in the movie, but he had a record collection. So they grew up listening to 
uh, the soundtracks of the movies they saw. So they knew like all the songs and they would know the dialogues. So <laughs> that's really like a big part of their childhood. So it had to be put in the movie. Um, later, so I think depending on what age they were watching the movie, they would take some of that. And later, you know, it also informed, you know, rom- the romantic notions. Yeah. You know, one of the older sister talks about like when she got married at like 18, that her father's going to find her a movie star, like a Bollywood film. And that didn't work out that way. So it kind of informed like their notions of romance. And also it informed the role of women. Because whenever, um, you know, it was really clear like what a good girl is supposed to be, you know, so pure, so dutiful, religious, just like, you know. So if there's any kind of a shame or something or it often didn't end well for the heroine, even though she would beg forgiveness or, you know, saying this was a misunderstanding. And yeah, and sometimes these the heroines would kill themselves. So I think seeing that too as young young girls, they also, that kind of helped them sort of reinforce the need to be silent that, mm-hmm. that, that this was going on at home, that this could be their fate too. Yeah, it's interesting how, how cinema reinforces a, a type of culture and at the same time, in um, you know, in Williams Lake, where it was you know rural British Columbia in the seventies, this uh, theater at the time it was actually uh, Dana Claxton, who's an artist in town here. Her stepfather used to run the theater, so mm-hmm. on Sundays they would play Bollywood films. I remember going there as a as a young kid to see a Amitabh Bachchan film, and then in the mid eighties, when the VCR mm-hmm. sort of came into being, the circulation of uh, videotapes mm-hmm. to see Bollywood films, so it came inside the house mm-hmm. and in a place where um, the preservation of culture is so kind of complicated in rural Canada and all of these kinds of things where there is this kind of intense racism. It had that kind of dimension too. And at the same time, it reinforced these mm-hmm. um, aspects. Um, I'm wondering, uh, in in the, um, uh, the, the film has gotten generated such um, interesting conversations, uh, be it in Toronto, here in Vancouver. I know you're going to be probably traveling with it to other um, uh, places. But uh, from your perspective, how's the audience reception been? And and what are the kind of conversations you're hearing back as a filmmaker? I, I know many filmmakers who are also like, I never want to sit inside and watch my no, own film and things no. like that. But how do you... How do we, you... we, we uh, myself and the three sisters... Um, we were at Hot Dogs. That's where it premiered on May first, and we sat in the audience. And so you just want to know what the audience is going to react to it. And like, they were laughing, they were engaged. It was like I was beyond my expectations, to be honest. And then we came down after the screening for a Q and A, all of us, and we got a standing ovation in Toronto. The first screening, and then the second screening, same thing. And then we came here for the opening night. 700 people, I was like, and then we were now seeing people filing through, I saw multi-generational, like, grandmas with their daughters and their daughters, like, you know, I couldn't believe it, and a lot of uh, young boys, men, like, it was just so incredible, I was like, wow, and then the the opening night screening, the, uh, I don't know, it just seemed like everybody got so into the movie, like, people were really laughing, they got all the nuances, like, they were really reacting loud to the film it was like oh my it was beyond i couldn't believe it um and we also had like a lot of uh, south asians came out too on opening night so they got a bit more of the nuances so it is subtitled but they got another layer <laughs> so that was good um it's just been incredible and then we ended up we had two shows up planned for doxa and 
because of a, a really good response, we sold out two shows. They added two more that got sold out. And each show, we got a standing ovation. I mean, a big part of it, the sisters were there, so you could feel that like, the audience wanted to kind of transmit this love yeah. and empathy and compassion. And the, the just the whole atmosphere after the screenings was like so much love. It was like really incredible. Like I felt like we all got kind of lifted up. Yeah, it was good. I don't know what more to say. Like the bar is too high now. <laughs> it was beyond our expectations. The media has been super supportive too. Um, I don't know. And I think maybe it's kind of a cathartic too. Like people want to, audience want to have that kind of emotional release or yeah. the shared kind of empathy or compassion. Do you know what I mean? Like I saw guys crying and, um, you know, it, it was it's pretty incredible. I think the film speaks a lot to um, to people from a lot of different cultures and, and across genders and everything, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I was wondering if you were planning how, though, in the same way that that um, that your previous documentary um, had, was screened at uh, at schools, mm -hmm. and, and all, are you planning on on doing um, following on a, on the same uh, kind of distribution pattern? Yeah. Like, and well, they have, the lucky thing is the producers are the National Film Board, so they have so many kind of departments. Right. They have sales, <laughs> they have distribution, they have the educational market. So they have a strategy planned. Eventually, I mean, it will go. Um, they're a big player in the educational market, mm -hmm. so, and they go to those big forums where. Um, you meet program what are programmers or there's those where you can buy a whole capsule of educational programming right for universities and stuff like that so I'm sure it'll be part of that right now it's just we just started so we just want to get it out yeah. but we, like even after um hot dogs I was getting emails from I'm a programmer from Portugal and you're like what how did you hear that? <laughs> I'm from this country and I yeah. would just send them to the marketing but I was like how did you, like you know they just started hearing good press and seeing the screener and So it's pretty exciting. And even at um, at Doxa, like people came up and from other ethnicities, obviously, and other, they just said it resonated so strongly with them and something that they had gone through or, you know, they're, you know, Canadian, you know, been here for generations and generations. And yeah. And a friend, uh, as one uh, woman, I, she's so proud. I'm so like in awe of her. She came out at 70 something about being abused and went to the press. And she came to our screening and felt really you know, um, proud to share her story and, you know, supporting us. So it's pretty, like, it's pretty special. Yeah, yeah. like what's what's happening, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I wanted to, wanted to say thank you so much for uh, joining us on uh, Below the Radar and thank you for the wonderful work that you do. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you so here. much. Thank you, Baljeet, for joining us on the show and for creating this amazing documentary. If you haven't seen the film yet, Real Causes is hosting a screening of Because We Are Girls on Thursday, June 6 at SFU Woodwards. You can find more information and tickets at sfuwoodwards.ca. Thanks to the team that produces the show, including Melissa Roach and Jamie Lee Gonzalez. Big thanks to Davy Steele for our theme music, and thanks to all the listeners. <laughs> <laughs>